51 and verse 20 for our text scripture. Isaiah is a tremendous book to read as was taught here in the oneness of God the other evening. So powerful and beautiful. 20th verse of the 51st chapter of Isaiah. Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith the Lord thy God, or thus saith the Lord the Lord, and thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. It's interesting if you really look at this, he's not so much talking about alcoholic drunkenness. He's talking about being drunk on the fury of God, the anger of God. And then he says, I'm going to take that away from you, and you'll no more have to drink of that drunkenness or that cup. And I'm going to give it to your enemies. Goes on in that chapter, and he's going to give it to their enemies, so the enemies will feel the fury and the wrath and anger of God. I, I know each one of you have had your difficulties in life, and even as Brother Jamal spoke today about our temptations are temp temporary, our sorrows are temporary, and all of that, we have a God that's not temporary. Well done, well spoken. But I want God to turn away his wrath and his anger from all, that would not that would obey him and turn it to those who do not obey him. I want the freedom and the liberty of the, the house of God to be where it should be today. So I want to preach to you about intoxication. Intoxication. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Savior, we humbly ask your support, strength, and anointing upon our hearts, our lips, our ears to hear. Bring to us what is needed today. And I pray that you'll help us with understanding in the deep of our heart, the deep of our soul. We pray these things in the wonderful name of the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Drunken, but not on wine. So there's many things in the scripture that teaches us that drunkenness is not just from alcohol or drug addictions. But you can be drunk on a lot of things. Living Translation said, but now listen to this, you afflicted ones who sit in a drunken stupor, though not from drinking wine. Message Bible said, assault and battery, hunger and death. Will anyone comfort you? Your sons and your daughters have passed out, strewn in the streets like stunned rabbits, sleeping off the strong drink of God's anger, the rage of your gods. Therefore, listen, please. You will with your splitting headache. You are nursing the hangovers that didn't come from drinking wine. 
Your master, your God, has something to say. Your God has taken up his people's case. Look, I've taken back the drink that sent you reeling. No more drinking from that jug of my anger. I've passed it over to your abusers to drink. How about that? Those who ordered you down on the ground so you could walk all, we can walk all over you. Are you tired of being walked on? And you had to do it flat on the ground and you were the dirt under their feet. It's one translation. So I ask you today at the outset of our lesson, what cup are you drinking from today? What is it that has you intoxicated? This passage of scripture made it plain that there was intoxications that was not from wine. One was drinking of the cup of trembling, the Lord's anger. They became so intoxicated with it they had hangovers as if they were having splitting headaches from it. It's interesting to note that we always refer to intoxication as being alcohol. It is clear that this passage is not talking about alcohol. It's a cup of trembling. It's a cup of idolatries. It's a cup of God's anger. But there's a lot of things that you become intoxicated with today in the world that we live in. You can become intoxicated. You can become in really drunken on greed. So much greed that you will run from God and you'll run to the things of this world that does not satisfy. Lust, perversion, strife, all of these things are intoxicating. Evil thoughts, drunk on the cares of life. All these leave you thirsty with no satisfaction. Deuteronomy 29 and 19 and it came and it and it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he bless himself in his heart saying i shall have peace though i walk in the imagination of mine heart to add drunkenness to thirst now the bible said plainly that he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled the connotation and the thought could be that if you hunger and thirst after other things, you will never be satisfied. But to be able to be so intoxicated with God's things and the things of spiritual things makes a big difference in your life. As a thirsty man trying to quench his thirst, he drinks more and adds to it. He drinks yet more and more until he is drunken. So is a man inclined to idolatry, the scripture says. It's that he has a secret desire that he thirsts after with such a strong addiction. Stolen waters, bitter waters, drinks to them, adds thereto, drinks again and again until he is drunk with the wine of fornication or idolatry. It's amazing how our world 
never gets enough of sin and confusion. It's so easy for us as humans to gravitate to that also if we're not full of something else to offset the desire. Romans 13 and 13 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. There's something about living for God that if you get busy living for God, you won't thirst for the things of the world. You won't desire the things of the world. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and wantonness. Not in envy and wantonness. But then the 14th verse gives you the answer. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Somewhere in life, you have to get to the place where you recognize the path that you have been going doesn't satisfy like living for God. I want to get across to you today that church is not an afterthought. He told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church on a confession of who Jesus Christ really is. I'm going to build my church on that. And I preach to you today, when you can be so intoxicated in living for God, so drunk in the Spirit, that church becomes the focus of your life, not the building, not the preacher, not the people, but the church, the body of Christ, the coming together, the worshiping together, the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God that makes a church different from just a church. Oh, hallelujah. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Luke takes us a little bit farther. In the 21st chapter, the 34th verse, said, And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, just skipping through life, drunkenness, and the cares of life, so that that day come upon you unawares. You see, a drunken person on alcohol, which we would relate to in this particular thinking of drunkenness, they have no care. They stumble. They gravitate towards nothing more but to drink more. Intoxicated on the things of the world is no less. Our world is gravitating towards atheism. Blaming man for man's problems is not enough. You have to somewhere blame the human nature and find a way to get rid of that craving for the world. Somewhere you have to get to the place where the world, we spend so much time in the world. I don't know whether you really count up the hours that you spend taking care of this body, your life, your home, your car, your job, and how little in comparison 
do we come to the house of God. We become so drunken on the things of life that we don't stop and really consider the valuable things of life. I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm saying this because what is on the inside of me is better than anything on the outside world. What I have in God is greater than anything in the world because it makes up the difference. My thirst and my desires and my hungers are all wrapped up in trying to be better for him and to live for him. Well, hallelujah. If I could somehow become intoxicated so much that I never cared about the world again, I wasn't concerned about the latest fashions. I wasn't concerned about the latest financial things. I wasn't concerned about the politics of our world. I became so intoxicated on God that nothing else mattered but Him. Oh, it's an impossible hill to climb for some. But I can tell you one thing. If you ever get to the place in God where He is more important than the world to you, you will have attained a spiritual high that nothing in the world can replace or take the place of. There is a spiritual place in God that you can live above this world. So he went on to say, so drunk on the cares of life that the coming of the Lord comes upon you unawares. Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, cares of life. So that day come upon you unawares. I marvel at homeless people. As you watch them, some of them are so out of it. They walk down the street talking to themselves. That's not all bad. My wife has a sign in the kitchen to remind me, I guess. She said, yes, I talk to myself sometimes. I need expert advice. As they talk to themselves and point, and I'm not making fun, I'm just making a point here. And yet many of them have enough sense to recognize a red light. Otherwise, there would be more deaths than there is. But in their intoxicated drunkenness or whatever the problem is, and you see them in their actions, they know when to stop at a red light. If I could preach to myself tonight and preach to you today, I want you to know that there is a time when you need to learn what it is to have a red light in life, when to stop. But you get so intoxicated with the world, it just gets worse and worse. And that's what's happening with our world. It was prophesied, common scripture quoted a lot of times, that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So not only are those world leaders and politicians and movie stars and the elite of our society that's led us into a sexual revolution that will never change, they're not only deceiving you, but they're deceived themselves because they're so drunk on the cares of life and so drunk on the confusion of life that they can't really comprehend the danger of the road ahead. That's why we have church. That's why we have a ministry. That's why God puts it on the heart 
of a pastor to preach to us uh, that there's something in the world that you need to put a line and say, I do not cross. There's a red light there. No matter what I am in life and no matter what goes on in life, there has to be a place that I say no to the world. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I would like to preach to you today. You need to become so intoxicated with God that you're oblivious to the things of the world except to just function and live your daily life. But when you come to the house of God, you're so intoxicated with Jesus. Uh, you don't see the gossipers. You don't see the complainers. You don't see those that are struggling and try to pick at them for struggling Why they get by with it, and I don't. You don't see that. You're so intoxicated with God that all you can see is the power and the anointing of God and the coming of Jesus Christ. If we could get so intoxicated in the Spirit that we could see the coming of the Lord and live for Him as if He's coming today and make up our mind that we have done nothing to enhance our beauty here in this world except the joy of the Holy Ghost and the beauty of His holiness. Intoxicated. So the verse 35 said, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Then he said, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I'm not worthy. I have nothing to boast of myself. I didn't get to where I am because I'm good. I'm not saying I'm anywhere except I am standing before you today. But I'm the least in the kingdom as one apostle said. I'm not worthy. But I'm one, I do want to be worthy enough to escape. I want his blessings, I want his touch, I want his mind, I want his spirit, I want his word so strong in my life that everything else just kind of dissipates before me. Now I'm preaching to myself maybe more than you, but I, I want you to know that there is a place in God that you can get that the things of this world grow strangely dim, as the song says. You can, you can live for God and be in this world, but just not be of the world. We can be in this world and work and have friends and do what we have to do and go to the bank and go to the grocery store, go to the filling station and do what you need to do. It's getting so good now, you don't even have to meet the people of the world. You can go into a supermarket and go through the, the computer line. You can go to the Gas station, put in your car. You don't even have to meet some people in the world today. It's going to even get better than that. You won't have to carry money in a few days. Just slip your card. They are experiencing right now. You might have read it. I don't know the mark of the beast. I don't know all the understandings of the mark of the beast. But they're coming to the time where you just go into the grocery store and put your palm on the register and pay your bills. Now, I'm saying this for you to understand what I'm going to say now. If we're not alert and we're so intoxicated with the things of the world that we don't recognize the dangers of where our society is leading us, we need to sober up on that side and get intoxicated on this side. 
The world's going to do what they're going to do, and it doesn't matter who you vote for, I promise you that. But do vote. I promise you, vote. I'm not going to get real political, but just vote. Vote. It's important. It's the last thing that's not taxed. Do something for free. Vote. Vote your moral convictions. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but vote for people that believe in life. Not killing our old people nor our babies. Just vote. Vote for man and woman being married. Vote. Vote for biblical principles. Vote. Just vote. They can't charge me with one crime for saying what I just said. If they did, I'd say it in jail. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. My, drunken on the cares of life. A drunken state causes you to lose control. Shopping. <laughs> you ever see the mess that shoppers make? They actually hire people to go into Target and close stores to rearrange what you tore up. Because some are so drunk on oh I'm oh I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That went over like a flock of dogs. Telling you the truth though. They they are so intoxicated on shock, shocking, shopping. Well, that's shocking too. They get in fights. Just a month or so ago, they were fighting over things in stores, brawls. And you know, t tell me that's not drunkenness. Tell me that's not intoxication. <laughs> fighting over stuff, shopping, and so they hire people to clean up the mess, kind of like a bar. They hire people to clean up the mess after all the party. Can you imagine what happens at a, a rock concert? The trash that is left. Sometimes just going to the park, you see the same thing. So many people are so drunk on what they want to do and have fun. It's called revelings in the Bible. Revelings. And they have to hire people. I... I think I mentioned this before, but I was preaching in Alameda some time back, and, uh, and I was talking about keeping your cities clean and nice, and, and I said, don't just throw things out the window, and don't just throw things in your yard, take care of your yard, and take care of your cities, and, and I was just preaching, you know, how you do, sometimes you get up on a little tangent, and afterwards, a man came up to me and said, well... I guess you was preaching to me today because my wife kept telling me that I don't need to throw things out the window of my car, <coughs> my McDonald's bag, other trash. I threw it out because I realized that somebody needed a job. I was just trying to keep them in a job. But they said, you preached to me, so I guess I'll quit. Well... It's not so much giving them a job. It's sad that our world has to hire people to clean up our mess. We're so drunk on things. In fact, I read the other day where we, we throw away two-thirds of the things that we buy. Think about that for a minute. How wealthy could you be in America 
if you would just start conserving some things. I'm really preaching. I can tell because it really got quiet on that one. I mean, if you wear your shoes till they turn into golfing shoes, you know, the one with the hole in one. If you wear things out, I'm, no, I'm not sorry. We can get so drunk on the cares of life that we don't care about anything else. That's the whole point. Okay, you got it? Let's move on. You can get so drunk on the cares of life. You can get so drunk on anger. You can get so drunk on greed, strife, and hate. Quickly, let me relate to you a story about a man that I knew very well that got crosswise with the man of God in his life. And he went to another church and at that church, I knew the pastor well, and he called me, and this was back east, so don't try to figure it out. It's not your relative. Had this man in the office, and he'd come to church for a while, and he didn't participate much, and had him in the office trying to help him, and finally revealed that he hated a man so bad and so the pastor was trying to help him understand, you, you, you can't hate like that. He said, I hate him so bad, I want him to burn in hell. And so he began to work with him, and, and he called me and told me about this situation. He said, as I was working with him, I, I could not get him to break. He just kept saying, I hate so bad that I want him to burn in hell. He finally said, the only solution to this is you've got to start saying, I love him. And he tried to get him to say, I love him. I forgive him. I love him. And to make a long story short, he finally got him to say, I forgive him. I love him. And when he did, this is gross, but when he did, every orifice of his body released. He was that pent up. From his nose to his toes, everything released. You talk about having to clean up a mess of hatred. I'm not just talking about throwing up in this situation. I'm talking about hatred that destroys people. You can be so intoxicated with hate and so intoxicated with greed that it causes so much other problems. Let me just throw this in right now. You're in the best place if you have a hateful spirit because we're going to clean up your mess today. We're going to help you get to Jesus Christ today and help you understand there's power in deliverance. Why are you so drunk on the things of the world when you can become so intoxicated with Jesus that you don't care who's mad at you or who's hurt? You love them anyway. Well, he got delivered. Thank God. And one day he got in a dispute over another man's situation. And he said to his wife, I want you to drive me to this man's house. And this was the wife's testimony. She heard him praying this prayer. May not be exactly word for word, but he said, God, you delivered me from that hateful attitude I had. I want you to give it back to me one more time so I can whip this man. God did, and he did, and never was able to get back to God. 
Wasn't long until the pastor called me again and said, remember our story on a couple of occasions? I said, yes, sir, I do. I remember it well. He said he just shot his son, killed him in his living room over an argument of anger. Now, I say that to say this to you. How intoxicated on anger can you get that you would kill a relative and not feel the remorse of that? Get so in, you say, not me, I never happened. Let me tell you what you say when you say it never happened to me. You don't, you don't know what will happen to you if you don't stay in control. When you get intoxicated with the world, you lose control. You lose control of salvation. You lose control of life. You lose control of your mental state. You lose control of your marriage. You lose control of a lot of things uh, when you become so intoxicated with the world that nothing else matters. If I could preach to somebody today, it's time for us to get intoxicated on Jesus and so in tune with his presence that everything else just dissipates in the dirt. He became so drunk on hate only to continue to thirst for more until he was ate up with the hate. They have to hire people to clean up after intoxications. Somewhere we need to realize what the Bible really gives to us today, a great hope. Let me take you to one of our beautiful scriptures in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose. Seeing it's very early in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. I'm here to preach to you today. There is a place you can get in God. He'll clean up your mess. He'll take care of your past. He'll put it all back together. And all you are so drunk on his presence and so drunk on the word of God that nothing else in the world matters. I wish somehow we could get to that place every time we come to the house of God. From the front to the back, from the side to the other side, to the pulpit, to the door. That we'd become so intoxicated in living for Jesus Christ that we go out of this building and we're excited about what Jesus is doing. I don't know whether Rena is here today or not. Not that arena, that's our arena. There's another arena. We met her in a restaurant the other night. I don't know why she stayed there mopping the floor in front of us. I kind of thought she was trying to clean up our mess. But finally she said, you all look so nice. We began to talk to her about church. We prayed for her right there. She cried. She said, I'm going to be here. I don't see her right now. But when you pray, pray for Rena. She's hungry for God. This place needs to be a place, and I don't want to refer to it except through the scripture. This is a better drinking hole than the bar. This is a better intoxication than the alcohol of our world. This is a better high than anything you can shoot up in your veins, swallow in your throat, take up your nose. I'm telling you, this is the best thing going. We're not drunk as, they suppose, as you suppose. Uh, oh, yes, we get excited. We dance. They're not drunk as you suppose. What, what, what did they suppose? 
if he referred that they said these men are drunk and he's trying to tell them that we're not drunk as you suppose what were they doing were they staggering were they joyful giddies were they excited I'm telling you, they were so excited that 3,000 people, they were so drunk, so intoxicated, that three, they were so excited about what was going on in the house of God that 3,000 people received the Holy Ghost. That ought to cause you to shout. That ought to cause you to say, you know what? This is the most important thing in all the world. Somebody needs the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs the baptism of the Spirit. Somebody needs to become so intoxicated living for God that people see where we are and who we are, and they come to the house of God. Some think we're foolish. Some think we're stupid. Some say, oh, it's too late. You're supposed to go to church and fold your hands. Oh, no, not when you're intoxicated. You're just giddish. You're just excited. You're shaking hands. You're making friends. Even your enemies just suddenly got better. Like the man that sat at the bar stool and he would drink and pull out a picture of his wife, put it back in his pocket and order another drink. Finally, the bartender said, after several drinks, he said, did you lose your wife? He said, no, but when I drink enough, she gets pretty enough for me to go home. Now, I've said that to say this. If you'll get to drinking enough of the water the wells of salvation, living for God will be so beautiful. Living for God will become so beautiful that you could go home to anything, the dog, the job, anything, the neighbors, and you're just excited about living. What do you say? What do you say, church, that we get so intoxicated? Fourth chapter of John, you know this, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me something to drink. His disciples were gone into the city to buy food. The woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being who you are and who I am, and we don't get along, and you're asking me to do a favor for you? That's strange. There's no dealings between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to you, Give me to drink, you would have turned this around and said, Wait a minute. I need what you have. I need what you have. I need a drink from you. She said, sir, you, you, don't have, you don't have anything. This well's deep. You don't have a bucket. You, don't, you can't reach into this well. And he made some very strong and powerful notations in his speech to her. She said, are you greater than my father Jacob, who's our father who dug this well? I'd like to tell you, 
Jesus is greater than anything in the world. Anything in the world. If you don't believe that, just lift your hand and start saying, Jesus, I love you. And you'll watch and your life can be changed so rapidly. And things suddenly get better when you start saying, I love you, Jesus. So Jesus answered her and said, whosoever drinketh the water that I could drink, pull out of this well is going to thirst again. I read you the Old Testament scripture as a drunk man drinks only to get thirsty again. He's saying that you can get this water, but it'll, it'll cause you to thirst again. But he said, the water that I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. Now, that didn't mean that you won't go after something that's godly. It doesn't mean that it's a one-time shot. But he said, drink it. And that TH means continual. You need to continue drinking until everything is beautiful in God. So, Hallelujah. Maybe i got to keep on going. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I may never thirst again. There is a spiritual drunkenness that is not from wine. Don't be confused with the literal drinking of water or intoxicating drink with what I'm preaching about. Paul wrote these words in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, but be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's the result of drinking wine until you're drunken? You don't care about life. You don't care what goes on. Somebody else has to drive you home or all the sickness the next day. Let me tell you, when you're filled with the Spirit, you go home. Somebody may have to drive you home because you're talking in tongues. But the next morning you wake up and your head is clear. Your stomach is fine. Your legs are strong. And your mind is crisp because you're drunk on the Holy Ghost. And be not drunk on wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself. Uh-huh, here you are. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, drunk on serving God. Why is it, why is it, church, that when we start singing the songs of Zion, that suddenly you forget about the kid next to you that's screaming, the diaper that needs to be changed, the man that doesn't smell the best that came to visit, and you start worshiping God until you're drunk on the Spirit of God. Until you're so intoxicated with the Word of God. And you're singing these hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. You're getting your heart ready for the seed, the Word of God to be planted in your spirit that will make you strong. Drunk, 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 drunk on amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, drunk on, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, 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 how I love Jesus. Doesn't care whether you're on tune or off. And I like this old song, and I like all the new ones, too. What a day 
that will be if you can get so drunk in the Holy Ghost and so intoxicated with living for God that you're thinking not of today and not of yesterday. Come on, why don't you forget yesterday? Forget your past. Forget about all of that. Let's think about today and let's think about tomorrow. You get so intoxicated living for Jesus uh, that right now I need something that will give me the power to face the world tomorrow. I'm going to be so drunk on the Holy Ghost and so drunk and intoxicated. You know why some people don't know what I'm talking about? They've never been there. I think it's time for us to be there. Isaiah put it this way. It shall even be as when a hungry man desireth, and behold, he eateth, but he waketh, and his soul is empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he's faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Zion. They're dreaming. And they wake up, they're just as miserable as the day they went to bed. The Bible went on to say, stay yourself and wonder, cry ye out and cry aloud. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. In the book of Revelations, and I'm trying to bring your attention to really the crux of the whole matter. Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 1. There came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth hath committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit in scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads, ten horns, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great whore, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered at her with great admiration. You see, when you get so drunk on the world, you think it all looks so much better than living for God. I wish I knew how to penetrate your minds for the next few moments. But you can be so intoxicated with the things of the world, the beauty of holiness is no longer what it's supposed to be. You can be so intoxicated with the world that the beautiful presence of God is just a hoop and a holler and means nothing to you. Let me tell you, friend, when we worship God around here, we're excited and we're intoxicated in the spirit and we're so excited about living for Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother harlot. And I saw the woman was drunken, not with wine, but on the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, a murderous religious system, I wondered with great admiration who was the writer that even in the vision, he admired what he saw. You think you're better 
than John who saw all of that and still marveled at what was happening. Drunk on the blood of the saints. Drunk on the martyrs. Drunk at getting rid of the church. Drunk on trying to do away with godliness. Drunk on trying to do away with holiness. Drunk on the things of the world. Come on, church. What do you say we turn this around? I'm ready to be drunk on the blood of Jesus. I'm ready to be drunk on the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm ready to be drunk on the joy of the Lord. I'm ready to be drunk on the... Come, come. If you'll stand with me. I want to be drunk on the blood of Jesus. I want his blood to cover me in my stupidity, my arrogance, my failures, my shortcomings. I want to be drunk on the Holy Ghost. I want to be drunk on the blood of Jesus. I want to be... So drunk that living for Jesus, I don't see my past failures. So drunk on living for Jesus, I don't see my temptations. So drunk on living for Jesus, my sorrows are gone. My guilt is gone. Worldly passions are gone. I'm drunk, but not on the fruit of the vine. I'm drunk on the fruit of the Spirit. I want so much of God that the world doesn't appeal to me any longer. The things of the world doesn't appeal to me any longer. I want to be so intoxicated living for God that I have enough sense to walk down the street and know there's a red light. I've got enough sense to walk down the street and know how to get home. I want to be so drunk that I don't care about life, but I want to know where the church is and I want to know where God's people are. Intoxicated. Where are you today? Where are you today? I want to be so intoxicated with the love of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding. I want to be so drunk on faith that I believe God for what I think is impossible. But what he says is possible. I want to get so drunk on faith that my mind is messed up. It looked like a wall, but the closer I got, it was a doorway into the presence of God. That's what faith does for you. So drunk on faith that the impossible becomes possible and the risk that I take is worth it because I'm living for Jesus. My faith, I'm so drunk. My carnal mind is messed up. Oh yeah, my carnal mind gets messed up. I gotta go get drunk on the spirit. What do they do in the world when they get to that place? They just go get drunk. Well, that's what they say. We know that firsthand, don't we? Not for you. I love your singing. <laughs> I'm just going to go get drunk. That's their solution. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody have friends, relatives, 
said, well, I'm going to go get drunk this week. Hey, what do you say we get the same attitude? The devil's been after me. I'm going to go get drunk. I'm going to get drunk on the spirit. I'm going to drink from the fountain that never runs dry. While we sing, and I've got equipment, while we sing, this altar is open. This church has faith today that God can heal. If you have something in your body, the elders are going to come and anoint you with oil. Those of you that are needing healing, come close. Can you let your faith become so drunken in your mind that if it's a wall, I'm going to walk through it. If it's a hill, I cannot climb. I'm going to climb it. Because I'm drunk on faith. I'm drunk on faith. I believe in God. come and pray for you. Let's believe God. Let's believe God. With childlike faith, I believe we can 